Hey there, welcome to episode 33 of the Authors Read podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is Asayan Morrison, and she'll read from her book, Maris, The Brotherhood Files. Hi there, my name is Asayan Morrison. I'm the author of The Demon Chronicles and the standalone novel, Old Farmer's Road. My current book is called Behesians. I write paranormal with little to no romance. I've always been um, a paranormal type of gal. I grew up on watching B-movies with my parents and my siblings. I'm a fan of Stephen King, Anne Rice, and other authors that don't fit into that particular genre like Jack Kerouac, for example. I'd like to read an excerpt from one of my novels titled Maris, The Brotherhood Files. Before I do, I'd like to share a little bit about the book in the Demon universe. Demon are psychic vampires. Um, there are eight types of Demon, but now there are only four. Ramanga, Lamia, Matuspa, Lugat. They were created by dark magic eons ago to protect humans from vampires. Obviously, that didn't work out so well, and now they inhabit the supernatural world among other creatures who hate them. Their goal is to survive, and um, and they haven't really been so lucky. So dark magic is also a strong foundation, as many supernatural beings in my book were created from it. Maris the Brotherhood Files explores the rich history of one such demon, a Ramanga by the name of Maris. It follows her journey from late 1800s England, when she was sire, to early 1900s America. This scene um, that I'm about to read f- to you takes place shortly before her arrival in Chicago. She's on the run with another Ramanga demon, Finley, um, from other demon who want to kill her due to the fact that um, the very first demon who existed, she has a connection to that person. She's a descendant. Um, So she's looking for shelter. And as they do that, they run across um, an underground boxing ring. And interested, Finley decides that it's the best way to make money in the city as they decide on what to do next. So this again is from Maris, The Brotherhood Files. The following night, we left New York by train and headed west for Chicago. We made our way into the cargo hold. There, we returned to eating rats, which gave us enough sustenance for the travel. The train made multiple stops, and each time we feared that we'd be seen. A week later, we reached the city and waited until sunset to leave our cramped compartment until the next night, where we would continue on another train to San Francisco. Yet the moment we arrived in Chicago, our plans changed. There wasn't any snow in the city. Instead, cold, icy rain pelted our bodies as we stepped out of the train station and onto the city streets. It was quite unusual to be welcomed with it at this time of year. We walked into the central business district of downtown Chicago with our heads held back, glaring at the skyscrapers. The city looked like New York, only smaller. In the first few minutes, Finley had already eyed a potential meal, but I had to stop him from repeating his actions from New York. We had to tread carefully, because we didn't know if there were any other demon in the city. Finley struggled with the idea of ignoring the humans all around us. By now, he believed that we didn't have to run whenever something drastic appeared. We need to eat. He didn't hide his thoughts that were filled with revenge and murder from me as we walked the streets arm in arm. It plagued his minds more so than finding a place for us to sleep when the sun rose. How many do you think we should kill just because we can? I didn't want to mock him. Instead, I wanted to understand his thought process. 
For years I watched you lose control, and for what? Nothing has changed. Maybe now is the time to think about our future and to claim a place in this world starting with this city. How do you suppose we go about that? We need a sanctuary. A sanctuary? Just you and me? And our offspring. You want to sire humans? Why not? Think about it. He placed his hands on my shoulder. Sylvanus did it, and he had a powerful sanctuary. They were able to stand up to the vampires. Maybe that's what we need, Maris. We're stronger in numbers. But they will still come. I looked up again at the buildings, and the raindrops continued to batter my face. And that's why we should start immediately. So you want to start a new life in this city, if that is what it takes. I buckled and reluctantly agreed to eat and stay a while longer. Later that night, we had found an old man on his way home from work. We followed him to his apartment, and after Finley killed him, we stayed for a few days until his body began to smell. The following night, Finley decided that it was best for us to see more of the city, so again we were on the move, scouring for another victim. He found an older gentleman whose thoughts he explored. He had just lost his wife and his kids in an accident, and now lived alone in a huge two-bedroom house. He planned on selling it and leaving the city for greener pastures. We followed him down a narrow back street, walking among humans. Streetcars hustled by and newspaper stands stood on the corner of each city block. The sound of cheering from a building in front of us and on our left caught my attention. My mind moved away from the hunt, and I approached a simple storefront with large stained windows. Maris, what is it? Finley followed me. A tall, muscular human stood outside, but just inside the doorway to protect himself from the rain. It's just humans drinking, he whispered to me. Let's go before we lose our meal. No, there's something else, I looked to him. I want to see what's going on inside. I went to walk in, but the human moved in front of me, blocking the entryway. This isn't a place for a young lady like yourself, he said to me. Any other time, I would have easily pushed him out of my way, but I was so taken aback with the noise coming from inside that I had to question. What's happening in there? None of your business. Now go home, he said to me again. Finley stood behind me, and he too became intrigued. She your gal? The male's eyes moved to him. Take her home, boy. He didn't say anything at first, as he picked up on the same thoughts and noises that I did. Let us in, Finley said to the human male who didn't move. I said go home. Don't make me tell you again. Finley grew tired of the male. He reached out, grabbed him by the neck, and pushed him aside. The human fell to the floor, flabbergasted at Finley's strength. He quickly stood to his feet, pulled back his sleeves, balled up his fists, and he took an abnormal stance that we had never seen before. Is that how you want it? He began to bob back and forth. Boy, I'm going to teach you a little lesson in courtesy. I'm not a boy. Finley eyed the man suspiciously, and there's nothing I can learn from you. The human's right hand moved forward to his face, and Finley moved back. He punched at him again, but this time Finley caught his fist and easily pushed him back. To our eyes, human movement looked slow and awkward. We were able to narrow our eyesight on the muscles underneath their skin before they flinched. 
Finley did just that, and finally, realizing that he couldn't hit him, the human dropped his hands and began to breathe heavily. You a pugilist or what? Pugilist? Finley gave him a bewildered look. Yeah, you know, a fisticuffs kind of guy. Finley looked to me and I shrugged. What do you mean? He asked the human. Boxing. I don't know what you're talking about. The human moved aside. Go on, head on in. We're looking for more boys like yourself. Finley took my hand and we walked in, seeing a flight of stairs heading to the basement. The closer we approached the area, the more aromas I had managed to pick up. Alcohol, human sweat, and most importantly, human blood. We descended down the stairs. A huge room packed full of humans came into view, standing around a square. In that square, we saw two of them wearing brown shorts, squaring off against each other. Their stances looked familiar to the stance of the man at the front door. They began to hit each other with the back of their fists, and with each hit, the smell of blood became stronger. Human fighting? Finley's eyes opened with excitement. I looked at him, seeing that he enjoyed the spectacle. I heard the man at the front door heading down the stairs, and Finley turned back to look at him. That's boxing, he said to Finley. You interested? Yes. Finley returned his attention to the fighting. I want to fight like that. The male laughed. Maybe when you get more experience. I don't need experience, Finley replied. How do I get in that square? You have to sign up first and then they'll schedule you a fight, he replied. I couldn't believe that Finley wanted to participate in a human activity such as this. It was a waste of our time. Even I could handle the biggest human male in that room. I spoke in his mind. We need to eat and find a place to sleep. Instead of replying back to me through a thought, he spoke loud enough for the human to hear. Maybe we can learn this so we can be prepared. Prepared for what? And why aren't you answering me in your thoughts? He ignored my questions and returned back to the human. I was able to take you without hurting myself. I can handle anything given to me. I want to be in that square. Now. The male's shoulders jumped up and down as he laughed. He then patted Finley on the shoulder. I'll see what I can do. He walked away. But don't say I didn't warn you. He disappeared into the crowd. You're going to expose us, I said to him. I want to try this boxing thing. The human returned, smiling gleefully at Finley. There's another new kid, a little older than you, that needs someone to fight tonight. Without hesitating, Finley replied, I'll do it, now. Whoa, slow down. First you need new clothes. You can't get into this ring looking like that. It's against the rules. He looked around. I'll find you some trousers and a place where you can dress. He placed his armor on Finley and began to lead him away. The fear of being left alone filled me with urgency, but Finley quickly smiled, silencing it. When he walked away, I stood surrounded by food waiting to be eaten. I looked at the fight again, catching one of the humans taking a punch to his cheek, then falling back onto the floor. The crowd cheered, and the human who remained standing lifted his arms in triumph. I saw small wads of paper floating around and a short, pudgy male entering the ring and announcing that the human, Abe Slapjaw Williams, had won an amount of thirty American dollars. Minutes passed and Finley hadn't returned. The short, pudgy man appeared in the ring again. 
He raised his arms, and the noise from the crowd immediately ceased. We have a special event just for you, he told the crowd. A debut of a new fighter in town. The crowd cheered as a young-looking male with a brown buzz cut entered the ring. We have, to my right, our very own Jesse Starling. The human raised his arms and flexed his muscles for the crowd. His attractive features caught my attention along with the fact that I didn't sense an ounce of fear emanating from him. And to my left, making his debut, a young man with no fear, Finley. The crowd booed as Finley entered the ring, wearing brown shorts too big for his body. The pudgy man motioned for them to walk into the center of the ring. Using my demon hearing, I heard their quick conversation discussing where to hit and where not to hit. They had seven minutes to knock each other out, and if they couldn't, the crowd would decide the winner. Finley and his opponent stepped back, and the human immediately left the ring. He signaled for them to start, and they began. Jesse put his hands up, and Finley slowly approached him. Jesse swung twice, and both times he connected with the side of Finley's face. I covered my mouth, wondering why Finley didn't hit him back. The crowd cheered with each punch Jesse threw. He struck Finley harder and harder until finally one blow made Finley stumble back. I screamed at Finley through his thoughts. Hit him back. That was the moment that Finley finally reacted. Mimicking Jesse's previous punches, Finley retaliated with one of his own. His fist met the side of Jesse's face and the human immediately fell back onto the ground. The crowd hushed, waiting for Jesse to move but he didn't. The fat human stormed the ring and stood over Jesse. He looked up slowly at Finley. Damn, kid, did you have to hit him that hard? I thought that was the purpose behind this, Finley replied back, to knock your opponent out. That is what I did. The fat, short human smiled at Finley. Folks, we have a winner! He raised Finley's hands into the air and the crowd, still amazed, remained quieted. I pushed myself through the crowd and up to the ring. I watched the human place a wad of cash into Finley's hand. Fearing that Finley killed Jesse, I quickly glanced over the boy to find him still alive but unconscious. Finley walked over to me and handed me the money. Kid, kid, where'd you learn how to hit like that? The pudgy man asked in a quick voice. For the last time, I'm not a kid, Finley said. It's just a figure of speech, the pudgy man replied. Where are you from? London. London? His eyes scoured Finley. You don't have an accent. Do I need an accent to be from London? Fine, whatever. Come back tomorrow. We'll have a fight lined up for you. I didn't want Finley to do it, so I tried to answer for him, but he interrupted me. I will return to fight, but only at night. These fights are held only at night, the man replied. And I want to fight older people, stronger people, like that man who won before I fought. Slapjaw? The human shook his head. That's impossible. He's way out of your league. He slapped Finley on the chest. Just come back tomorrow around this time. I promise you, I will get you in that ring. Finley nodded. The crowd parted for us as we walked back toward the stairs. The humans eyed us, and some congratulated Finley by slapping him on his arm and his shoulders. We reached the stairs, and I eyed the money in our possession, not knowing what to do with it. The human we met at the front door approached us, and he handed Finley's clothes back to him. Damn, you're good, he said. 
I held off the money to him. How much is this? He took a quick look. Twenty dollars, he said. Where can we find a place to stay for this amount? Finley asked. There's a place, Wilshire Hotel, just down the street, he replied. A little too Italian for my taste, but that's the closest place from here. Finley and I walked up the steps and toward the door. The rain had let up and the air was filled with the smell of dampness. Finley looked to me as he began to dress himself quickly. He took his boxing trousers and placed them over his shoulder. I learned a lot from that fight, he said. There's a pattern to their movements. It's like listening to certain keys on a piano. He moved forward. That human boy used all his energy in each punch he threw at me. I wanted to see how many I could take before it had an effect. Are we purchasing a place to stay with that money? I asked him. We can use money like this to buy a building for our sanctuary, he looked back at me. In no time we will have a place of our own here. So we're not leaving. No, I think I like it here, he answered. In the years since we left London, I realized that money equals power among humans. We used most of the money Sylvanus gave us in New York. If I can get more of this, then we can buy our own huge home and we can have Dima like ourselves live in it. So you're going to fight humans? For how long? Deep down, I knew his answer to my question. For as long as it takes. He opened the front door and we walked outside. They will give me more of this money, I'm sure of it, and you know I won't lose. I urged him to continue to walk, reminding him of the importance of blood. His new feelings toward how we had to survive changed overnight. I didn't want a sanctuary, and I didn't want him to sire humans. However, with the possibility that the Brotherhood and the vampires had followed us to Chicago, I didn't have a strong opinion in that matter. If our survival meant that Finley had to earn money by using his fists, then I promised him I wouldn't stand in his way for now. I'd like to thank Asayan for sharing her book with us today, and thank you for listening to the Authors Read podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!